0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I'm changing my opening illustration, which sometimes can be dangerous. Um, Zeb Early gave me, uh, what do you call these, maraca or something like that? And it says, you are the salt of the earth on there. And and I was going to, you know, start doing this and maybe dancing as... As Brett said, but it might get ugly, so we don't want to do that. So that's not the illustration that I'm starting with. But last night um, I was watching an old movie from the 1980s, Cocoon. How many have seen that movie? So okay, good. Um, and so I, I, my illustration this morning, I, I switched it to that. This morning I woke up and I thought, wow, that really does fit, because. In that movie, these guys that are, they're coming to Earth as aliens, and they're coming back to get some of their friends that they left behind thousands of years before, and they're in pods under the ocean, right? So they're getting them, they, they hire a boat captain, and they're friends with him, and they make friends with these older people that are in a nursing home who are being rejuvenated by swimming in the pool where the pods are. Boy, that the whole summary of this movie is that these aliens are nice. They're not like War of the Worlds, where they're coming to this earth to destroy it. They're nice, they're kind, and everybody they meet likes them. And at the end of the movie, if I remember it well, because I didn't see the end, um, some people, humans, go back with them to their planet. And I and I thought to myself. That's what the salt of the earth is. Being so different from the world that it draws the world to you. And it's also, First uh, Peter chapter two says this, "Beloved, I urge you as aliens and stranger, strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So today we're going to look at being the salt of the earth. Look at Matthew 5:13. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. It's right after the Beatitudes. Verse 13, this is the word of God. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now notice the first word in verse 13, you. In the Greek, this is in the emphatic form, which which makes it a plural pronoun. The idea is this, you yourself, or you yourself alone, and nobody else, are the salt of the earth. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but he's also speaking to us as his future disciples, and he's telling us that we are the only hope in this text— We are the only hope for this world. You know, the world hopes in presidents, in strong militaries, in higher education, in New Year's resolutions. But the only hope in this passage for this world is God working through his people to be the salt of the earth. So how does a person, how does a Christian Become the salt of the earth. Well, notice the second word. It says you are. You are the salt of the earth. This is a verb to be. It stresses being and not doing. We're not commanded to be the salt of the earth. What what it says is we are the salt of the earth if we are God's children who are living, and this is stressing this, if we are living obedient lives to Christ, then we show forth in differing degrees, the characteristics of God's kingdom. And what are those characteristics? Well, in the context, in verses 1 through 9, they are the Beatitudes. A Christian who is poor in spirit, who is mournful, who is meek, who is merciful, who is a peacemaker, who is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, who is pure in heart, will be such an enigma to our society that it causes people to sit up and take notice of our lives. By being the salt of the earth, Christians are a preservative and a flavoring for all those around them. So let's first look at how Christians are a preservative in our society. Now, salt in the uh, Palestine was mined near the Dead Sea. And, and I've been to Israel twice, and I've been to the Dead Sea twice. And, and it's an amazing thing to see, because when I first pulled up in the bus, and I'm looking out the window, I'm seeing people floating in the water reading the newspaper. That's how buoyant you are. They weren't on floats. They weren't on air mattresses. They were sitting in the water, not on the bottom, sitting, floating, floating. That's how much salt is in the Dead Sea. So they would extract this salt by putting it in pits, letting the water evaporate, and then pulling the salt out and and using the salt, of course. Salt in biblical times, probably not near Israel, but in biblical times was a commodity. Um, And Roman soldiers were sometimes paid with it. Now, In the first century, we know there weren't many refrigerators around, so they would take salt and use it as a preservative for meat. Salt was rubbed into the meat to keep it from rotting. And the only way that it would work is for it to come in contact with the meat. Um, One writer says this, When Jesus called us the salt of the earth, he made a strong judgment about society and a lofty claim about what his disciples can do about it. You don't salt something that's alive. You salt something that's dead to keep it from rotting. Jesus is saying that our society, without his influence, is a carcass that's rotting away and disintegrating. Now, we'll say amen to that, but what about this? As his disciples, we are to be rubbed into that rotting mass to season it, and delay decomposition, and to save it from falling to pieces under its own wickedness. Now that is a a tremendous task for us to do, but we can only do it in the power and through the power of the Holy Spirit. One biblical example of a person that was a preservative of his society was Noah. I believe Noah was a a great example of that. If you remember, God commanded Noah to build an ark because he was going to destroy the earth because of its wickedness. So Noah faithfully did this task for years, right? Building this 450-foot ship in his backyard with no body of water around it. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine the faith that that man had. Uh, he's in the in the hall of faith in Hebrews, but he went by what God told him to do when he'd never even seen rain before. And there was no large body of water around. So I bet you people came from miles around to watch this man build this ship. And they probably made fun of him. They probably mocked him. But Noah continued by faith to do what God told him to do and i'll bet you every chance he got he told the people to repent and noah was a preserver of his society until that final day when the door of the ark was shut and just as noah was a preservative to his society so we need to be also and and i remember years ago I used to work at a Farron Sign Shop. And this is when I was going to Columbia Bible College up here. And in the summertime, I'd be back in Florida. And so I worked at this sign shop for at least four years. And I got to know the guys around me. And they used to kid around and call me the preacher man because I went to Bible college. And uh, so the thing that amazed me about this was Every time I was around these guys and we'd be working and one of them would curse or one of them would say God's name in vain, they would look up at me and they'd go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And, and I'd be, I would be kind of surprised and think, why, why are you apologizing to me? I wouldn't say that. I would just think that. Why are you apologizing to me? But later on I figured out God was using me at Farron Sign Shop to be a preservative of that little society around me. God was using me. The Holy Spirit was being um, a witness through me to these guys. What about you? What about where you work? What about where you live? You know, I I, I heard a statistic, and this amazes me, 60% of this county that's about hundred and twenty thousand people don't go to church does that amaze you do you know how many churches there are I mean think of how many you see it how many churches did you see coming here today hundred and twenty thousand people don't go to church on Sunday forty percent do sixty percent don't that means that the only church that that 120,000 people are going to see is you. You are the temple of God. You are the Holy, the Holy Spirit lives and resides in you. What are they going to see? Are they going to see somebody who is a preservative and a flavoring to their society? Well, many years ago, and it's many years ago, I went on my third or fourth date with Denise and we went to Pizza Hut, Um, big spender. Uh, We were in college. In fact, our first date, we went to the dollar movies. I don't know ever how I married her (laughs) or how she ever married me. Um, In fact, uh, when we went on our first date, I picked her up in a Plymouth scamp that was held together by duct tape. Uh, um, So when we went to Pizza Hut, The first thing that happened when they put that pizza down on the table was we both reached for the shaker of salt. That was an amazing thing because most people don't do that. Salt is amazing because it can add flavor to even a spicy pizza. Um, How does it do that? Because of the vastly different properties than the food that it's seasoning. In our society today, one writer says this, our society today has an overpowering taste of evil in it and will only be flavored by the vastly different properties of kingdom characteristics found in obedient Christians. And one who was a flavoring in his society in Acts 16 was the Apostle Paul. And if you remember, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were arrested and thrown into prison in Philippi. And they were beaten with rods. And they were beaten. They could have been beaten as much as 39 times, according to Roman custom. Then they were thrown into stocks. Their legs were in stocks. Their wrists were in shackles. And usually that meant they were lying on their backs. Now, can you imagine being beaten 39 times with rods on your back and then you're lying on your back in pain on this cold dungeon floor and so what did paul do what did paul do he started singing hymns to god he started praying with silas amazing all those prisoners (laughs) hey All those prisoners saw an example of somebody who was the salt of the earth by Paul's reaction to his persecution. He sang hymns. And so what happened after that? An earthquake came. The doors opened to the prison. They were free to go and they were ready to go. And then what happens? The prison guard gets ready to kill himself because if he lost prisoners, they would kill him. And what does Paul do? Instead of going free, instead of running and getting his own freedom, he stops and he says, No! Don't harm yourself. We're all still here. You know, bring the lantern in. We're here. And so what happens with that prisoner, that, that guard? He immediately becomes a Christian. Paul and Silas were a flavoring to all the prisoners at at Philippi. Well, what about you? When the trials of life come, do you grumble and complain? Do you cry out for your rights? Because Paul could have done that. He could have said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. I don't deserve this. He didn't do that. Or are you a flavoring to those who are around you and showing the characteristics of the kingdom? It kind of reminds me of a man, um, years ago I heard this story, and it's a true story, of this man who was coming out of the hospital. He was a Christian. He he, had, he was being treated for cancer, stage four cancer. Um, he was dying, and He was walking through the parking lot to his car, and somebody came up to him and pulled a gun on him and was going to rob him. And he looked at this man, and, and it's an amazing thing. He looked at him and just boldly said this. He said, I'm a Christian, and if you were to pull that trigger right now, you'd be doing me a favor because I'd go to heaven. And then he looked at him and said, do you know where you're going when you die? And the robber just didn't know what to say, turned and ran away. Amazing boldness. Can you imagine that? That man was the salt of the earth in in front of this robber. And who knows what kind of an impact he had on that man's life. Maybe one day he met him in heaven. There's a t-shirt that was going around during that time. It says, life is short. It's death that's so long think about that we know where we're going when we die so that we can live now as the salt of the earth and you think about that you think about that um live as boldly as that man did in the parking lot that day well what we've seen so far is some christians are a preservative for society others are a flavor but some lose their saltiness altogether. Look at verse 13 again. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. One writer said this about salt. He said, Much of the salt in Palestine such as found on the shores of the Dead Sea is contaminated with gypsum and other minerals that make it taste flat and even repulsive. When a batch of such contaminated salt would find its way into a household and be discovered, it was thrown out. People would be careful not to throw it in the garden or in the field because it would kill the plants that were planted. Instead, it would be thrown into a path or a road where it would gradually be grounded into dirt and disappear. So how do Christians lose their saltiness in this world? It's through the addition of impurities to their life, which, of course, is the impurities are sin. And there's two major ways that we can add impurities. One is through libertinism, And the other is through legalism. And we've seen uh, libertinism in past years through the ministries of Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger. Do you remember those those two preachers? Um, Their ministries, both, and they were on TV, TV evangelists, all of that, and their huge ministries were destroyed by moral corruption. And I believe not only did it have a negative effect on their ministries but I believe it had a negative effect on the gospel as a whole in this country for years after their fall well another way that Christian saltiness can be contaminated is through legalism and legalism is adding to God's word through commandments and tradition of men and I've I've told you this story before Um, but it fits this really well. Um, A a professor of mine, Steve Brown, you all remember him, he came here and spoke years ago. He came here for a conference. Uh, But he's a pretty famous pastor, PCA pastor, um, been on the radio, has a very deep voice. Um, He one time went out to a restaurant with a, a Bible study, a ladies' Bible study, after they'd finished, and the leader of the group was the first one the waitress went to, and the waitress went up to this lady, and she said, would you like a cocktail with your lunch? And the lady looked at her and said, no, I'm a Christian, and I don't drink. Well, the waitress was like, you know, really kind of offended, you know, and kind of put her head down, and so she went around and took everybody else's order and Finally, she got to Steve Brown, who has a great sense of humor, and and she asked him, what, what did he want? And he said, I'm a Christian, and I'll have a bud. Why did he do that? Because he's the salt of the earth. What do you think that waitress would think of Christianity after that lady said, I'm a Christian, and I don't drink? What do you think she's going to think of Christianity? She's going to go, I never want to be a Christian or never be near a Christian if that's what Christians are like. That's the very opposite of being the salt of the earth. In closing, I was talking to Susie Whitfield the other day She's shaking her head. And she went to New York a couple weeks ago to visit her daughter. And while she was up there, she went to uh, Tim Keller's church. And she heard a young man give a testimony. And this, this young man was talking about how a small group in their church affected his life. And he, I guess he read it in the bulletin or something that this small group was meeting So he saw where they were meeting and it said, bring a snack. So he shows up with his potato chips or whatever and he knocks on the door. And this is why I don't tell, I don't give addresses for our small groups because he knocked on the door and nobody was home. (laughs) So then he thought, oh, well, I'll take my snack and go home and eat it. Right. But then he got the idea, hey, let me text them and see if they're somewhere else. So he did. And they were a couple blocks away meeting in a restaurant. So he went there. And this is a was a kind of a quirky young man. Right, Susie? And who was kind of shy and, and was shy with women and all of that. Right? Kind of quirky. And so he shows up to this meeting and he has a great time. He's not a Christian. He has a great time. Because why? Because the people love him. They're kind to him. They kind of take him under their wing, you know, and love this guy. And a short time later, he becomes a believer. Why? Because this group was the salt of the earth to this young man. And you know what? That's one of the greatest ways to win people to Christ is through a small group. That's how I became a Christian. Um, In fact, and I want to give a plug for my mom. um, In fact, my mom was the salt of the earth to me. And that's why I'm here. Today, because she prayed for me. She gave me books that I never read. (laughs) She gave me the gospel many times when I didn't listen. She talked to me about Christ. She tried to get me up on Sunday morning when I was hungover. To go to church with her, she was persistent, and persistent as moms are, in loving me. And finally, I went to a small group that I'm sure she manipulated me getting to, and I heard the gospel. And God changed my life, and that's why I'm here today. So what I want you to think about this morning is this. Who was the salt of the earth in your life? Who can you think of right now that God used to be an impact for you becoming a Christian? And then think, how can I be used in others' lives? How can I be used in others' lives? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit because without your Spirit indwelling us, we can do nothing. So Father, empower each one here who knows you to live a life and be salty Christians. Help us to be a flavoring and a preservative to all those around us. Help us to serve you through the power of the Spirit and through obedient lives to live for your glory. Father, we thank you for your word which encourages us, which Causes us to want to live more and more for your glory. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.